You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy One Muslim Podcast with your favorite co-hosts, Zeba Hassan and Uzma Jafri. This is Uzma. Assalamualaikum, everyone. And this is Zeba Hassan. Assalamualaikum. And this is Fariha. Assalamualaikum, Muslim. Today, we have our special guest, Fariha. Thanks for joining us, Fariha. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm like I'm super excited, excited to, be to be in your designer home. Honestly, her <laughs> daughter's bedroom is nicer than mine. Like, I'm really jealous. Come decorate my room, please. Um, Gladly. So Freya's kids were home today, Zeba, and uh, they were so cute while mommy was getting ready. And it was making me think, Aww. what is the darndest things they said this week to you? Well, my son said to me, mom, I love you so much. I love you more than the planets, which Ooh. means a lot because he loves planets. He loves outer yes. space. So Aww, that's, that's that special. That is so fun. Yeah. And there's a lot of planets, potentially some we don't know about. <laughs> It's better than my kids talking about Uranus all the time. <laughs> the planet. Are they talking about the planet? Because my kids are not. Oh, nonstop. <laughs> That's awesome. So Zeba had a special week. You have a 14-year-old daughter now. I wow. do. My baby girl is 14, and okay. she still looks like and feels like she's 10. So I love that. I, she's she's still my cuddly baby. Awesome. So I, I appreciate that. Wonderful, wonderful. So what's it like having a 14-year-old? Is it like having, like, is there a balance sort of, more balance of hormones in the house full of boys yet or no? Yes, because my 16-year-old is coming out of his grumpy stage as she's going into it. So it's so no break. totally balancing itself out. It's, there's no break. Thank God I do have Zayd and Zan who still love me unconditionally because I don't think I could survive the teenage years without them, to be bl very blunt with you. Not that I'm advertising teenagehood, but they are awesome. It's just, you know, there's a lot of eye rolling, huffing, puffing um, going on in my house right now ziba likes the older kids i think you and i like the babies better yeah, <laughs> yeah well i only have babies right now so i can't yeah really they're really little there so yeah i'm not a baby person Count contrary to what people believe they want to hand me their babies and i'm like why are you i don't want to this? touch this like, thing. I don't want your baby right they think now you have experience and I don't, I'm like, I have experience in that. I don't want to hold babies. <laughs> uh, but Osma, what is our soapbox for this week? Um, so our soapbox isn't even political. Uh, we have something else listed, um, but you kind of addressed it on Thoughtful Thursdays, the video yesterday, if people didn't check it out. Um, but one of the reasons why we're talking about today's topic, um, serendipitously, obviously not planned, in the last week in our town, Fariha in mine, um, there was a family of four or five children that was discovered in an apartment about uh, not even a mile away from the clinic where I volunteer. So this was probably happening the day I was in clinic. A one-month-old was found dead. Oh His gosh. twin was found in the crib with a skull fracture. 15-month-old, we think, sibling was um, had multiple healed injuries. You can tell if kids have um, healed bony injuries. And then the two other children who were under six years old were disheveled, dirty, malnourished, and had bugs crawling out of their ears. 
The oh my God. mother and father have both been arrested. Um, I think if you're counting kids, two one-month-olds and a 15-month-old, and then the next child up was three, you can imagine how quick and fast these kids probably came to this family and how traumatic it was. And it just, when it happened, it really solidified for me the reason why we are talking about the topic we're talking about today. And I'm just so grateful that Fariha agreed to come on and talk about it with us. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's definitely not something that even in our, I mean, in other communities that people really want to talk about, right? Because when we talk about, we're talking about today, we're talking with Dr. Fahir Malik, DDS, um, who has so graciously agreed to be candid and frank with her postpartum depression story. Um, and to your point, Uzma, it's just something that we don't want to talk about because it's supposed to be this amazing, lovely, joyous, those pamper commercials with the fuzzy um, filter. Yeah, it's not that way for a lot of people. I, I would gather to say a majority of people, it's not that way. And the fact that we don't talk about it in frank terms um, definitely gives our sisters a, a, a disservice because the reality of the situation is feeling alone and vulnerable is part of the problem. So thank you so much, Fariha. Um, I feel jealous that I'm not in your room over there. <laughs> so so pretend like I'm behind you guys. Uh, pretend I'm behind you guys and we'll go from there. But do you want to um, kind of touch base, introduce yourself, your children, and kind of let our listeners know um, a little bit about your story before we start just diving into questioning you. Sure. So that sounds so I, bad to get asking you we're questions. We're interrogating you. Yeah. <laughs> interrogating you. So I went to dental school in Philadelphia, and I moved here when I was four and a half months pregnant to Phoenix, Arizona, and that's where I met Ozma for the first time uh, through my sister-in-law, who's friends with her and part of the community. And yeah, I, I, I would say my story is a little different because I had depression from the moment I got pregnant. It wasn't only postpartum. So... Um, yeah, so I was actually already dealing with it. It was much worse after the delivery, um, but I kind of, you know, had it from the get-go, unfortunately. So, so let me ask you this: How did you did you have did you ever suffer from depression or feelings no. of depressions before you got no, pregnant, never. or this was just totally in out of the blue? As soon as you got pregnant, like something just feels a little bit. Well, off. it's a little complicated because I'd lost my father six months before, so okay. I think it was all kind of mixed up together. Now the grief with the depression, it was hard to differentiate what is what because the feeling was the same, you know? So I kind of went from transitioning from, I was still obviously actively grieving for my father. Then I you throw hormones into it <laughs> when I get pregnant, when I got pregnant. So yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't really, I, I don't, I, I don't know if there was like a trigger or, or a, a start to it. It kind of all just bled into each other, you know? So do you think it could yeah. have been like, graduating, moving, being a newlywed. It was, that's too. the thing. It was multifactorial. It wasn't one thing. It was, I lost my father. I was pregnant six months later. I moved to a new, I mean, across the country, you know, no friends, totally new place. Um, I was working before and now I wasn't working. I was at home, which was new for me too. It was so many things. Yeah. It was definitely a lot of things combined. No breaks there. No breaks. Yes. 
So, you know, I didn't know any of this when I first met you. Mm -hmm. Um, but did you talk to anybody about it? You know, about any of the depression? I think it was the postpartum that I first remember you kind of mentioning something. Mm -hmm. So who did you reach out to and why? So this is a crazy story. The first person that made me realize that I have postpartum is Uzma, which I don't even think she realized that she was the one who recognized the symptoms, but I didn't, it was my first baby. I didn't know what was normal, what wasn't, you know, if I expressed any kind of sadness or loneliness, a lot of people brushed it off. A lot of family members and friends were like, oh, yeah, it's normal. It's because you're sleep deprived. It's because you're nursing. It's, you know, this is how it is. It'll go away. It'll get better, you know. So I didn't know that I had depression. I'd never battled depression before. So it's and it's, you know, again, there's probably a stigma attached to it. You kind of don't want to admit that you have depression because you want to think you're stronger than that and you're mentally stronger and that this is something that you can, you know, kind of it's think something. away or, you know, change your mindset and it's gone. But that's not how depression is, as we now know. But yeah, I think I met you three months postpartum at our friend, at my sister-in-law's daughter's birthday. Oh, and I was describing to you how nursing was so difficult for me and, you know, how I was feeling and how nobody talks about it. And you told me the same thing. You're mm -hmm. like, no, it is like this. Mm -hmm. That is normal. I mean, that is something that people experience. And I went through depression and this is how I felt and this is how I felt. And then I realized, oh, my God, that was postpartum depression. That's exactly <laughs> what I have. Those are the feelings that I have. Those are the thoughts that I have. So. And this was, so free she's saying three months postpartum, but yeah. I had been to her baby shower and uh, it, we met socially. Yeah. I mean, no one could but tell. Yeah. There was, I had yeah. no clue. No, nobody yeah. had any clue. So Safriha, what made you that day decide to say something to Ozma? Because. Or did she just ask you? She like, did. She asked me. Okay. And when I <clears throat> started explaining, I mean, I just hinted because I didn't even really want to dump it all on anybody yeah. when they asked me because I think there's a sense of like shame I guess a little bit or embarrassment like this shouldn't be so hard for me I should be able to handle this so I was always hesitant to fully admit how I was struggling even to myself to be honest so when she started asking me and then she started affirming what I was saying that made me comfortable to to spill it and say, Oh my God, yes, it is actually really hard. It's not a little hard. It's very hard. Or I'm not just a little bit sad. I'm, I'm extremely sad, you know? So that's when, when she described her experience and it mirrored mine, that's when I realized that, Oh, I, I think I have postpartum depression. And then, and I read articles prior and I could relate to it. A lot of things were very similar for me. <laughs> But again, I just didn't, I could, I mean, nobody diagnosed me. So I didn't want to diagnose myself. I was like, okay, I mean, I can relate to it, but I don't have postpartum. Like I was kind of in denial about it, you know, but until I met Ozma and then I realized, okay, I think I do. So at all your baby's well checks at your doctor's appointments, mm -hmm. was anybody asking you? Yeah. They give you that form where they say, are you suicidal? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. I wasn't suicidal. I didn't want to harm my baby. I was, I wasn't what that form 
ask me about. You know what I mean? So unless I ticked yes to those things, I don't think they would diagnose me with postpartum, you know? So how did it manifest itself in you? Because I feel like um, postpartum depression shows itself in different people differently. How did it show itself in you? So I was overprotective of my daughter. I had a lot. It triggered a lot of anxiety, which... I guess now in hindsight, I I had OCD and anxiety on some level, but I was managing it and channeling it in a positive way. So for example, I was super studious if I was anxious about a test or something, you know what I mean? But with a child, it's completely different. You can't, you really can't There's no manual that comes with a baby. Right. So um, I think I, so I was over anxious. Um, if anyone held her, I would get like minor panic attacks. So it was totally irrational and I was aware of it, but I didn't know if this was normal or not. You know, I just kind of assumed it was, and I couldn't sleep. So I had so much anxiety. I, I thought that if I slept, something would happen to her. So I couldn't sleep until, unless my mother watched her. Even my husband or anybody else, if they offered to watch her, I I, I didn't trust them. This um, is my DNA. I trust it. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't trust them. I had so much anxiety. I thought something's going to happen to her. Yeah. And so I could only, I would be up all night until my mother woke up for Fajr or at the Hajjad. And then she would wake up and she would come to my room, take the baby, and then I could sleep for a few hours. So, I mean, that's how bad my anxiety was. And then, of course, the random crying, I would getting up in the middle of the night I mean I woke my husband up so many times where I would just be crying and he was like what's wrong and I'm like nothing I'm just I just feel awful (laughs) like I'm just sad I'm lonely I had another feeling which was despair I felt like I was the only mom on the planet up at 3 a.m breastfeeding you know, I had this sense of like, yeah. I'm the only person doing this, this dot on the planet. Yeah. And nobody <laughs> knows and nobody cares. And I'm all alone. And like, I don't know. It's a very, very sad feeling. But yeah, there was that extreme sense of loneliness, even though logically I knew every mom does this. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why I felt like I was the only one. We all feel like we're, right? we're, we're the, the center of the universe at that moment, which is, you know, totally understandable. But I think at this moment, it's kind of important to differentiate, you know, what is normal baby blues and what's mm-hmm. postpartum depression. So most women will experience because you have such drastic hormonal changes, literally within hours of giving birth, right? Or you know, basically with birth. So because of these fluctuations, you may have some mood changes that can happen um, either immediately, but usually a few days after birth, two to three days, but no longer than two weeks. You may be a little sad. You may find yourself crying, but you certainly shouldn't have this despair or this intense sadness Mm -hmm. that Fadiha is describing today. Um, Postpartum depression is characterized by that intense sadness, that despair, debilitating anxiety that limits your day-to-day activities, that limits your day-to-day interactions, relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can last anywhere from, it can actually start anywhere from one to three weeks postpartum, even as long as a year after which, you know, I have not met any patients like that, but I think that's why it's really, really important at every single doctor's visits, whether you're a pediatrician or, you know, the OB is really going to see you what six weeks after you have the baby, if you had some complications a little bit more frequently, but then they're not going to see you until your next pap smear or your next pregnancy. I myself have not seen a doctor in five years. My son turned five yesterday. 
I delivered it, but I She's never a wrote doctor. that. Yeah, I suck. Don't don't do what I did. Um, but like when you're going for your well checks, you're going pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. And as a family physician, I didn't just look at the child. I made that a double visit with mom, and I would be like, "You're not going to tell me if you're suicidal or not. You're going to fill out these screening tools so that because we have." validated, tested screening tools for postpartum depression. And yes, after I experienced it myself, I was way crazier about making sure to talk to moms like, hey, is this happening? Is this happening? And at six months, she's like, dude, it hasn't happened. Leave me alone. Are you trying to make me depressed? And I'm like, no, because it can happen so late, you know? Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure because as babies are growing, you know, there's just more issues that we're dealing with. There's more stressors that we're dealing with, whether it's at home or at work. So who knows what your trigger is going to be? And it's in that baby self-interest, especially if it's a mom who's having kids very fast, kind of like Frida did, because you had Irish twins, right? Uh, almost, yeah. yeah like she, 13, 14. Yeah, apart, she yeah. basically had Irish twins, which you can appreciate, Zeba. Um, and so... Um, and I would say talk about it. Talk about any level of sadness you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times we think postpartum is only if you want to hurt yourself or hurt the baby or it's it's the most extreme version. And so anything less than that, we feel ashamed to talk about because we think we're ungrateful or complaining or we can't handle something that other women can handle. And this is a normal thing. But I think that prevents it from being diagnosed. That was true for me. I thought I shouldn't say anything unless I really want to, unless it's extreme and I want to hurt myself or I want to hurt the baby. But clearly I had postpartum even if I didn't want to do those extreme things, you know? So, and that's why I think those checkups where they make you fill out that form, my, I could never be diagnosed by my doctor because I didn't talk about those other feelings of despair um, and sadness, which weren't necessarily manifested as being suicidal or wanting to harm the baby. And you probably minimize some of your symptoms. Sure. Yeah. To myself even. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. Because I have, I didn't want to be the one who had depression. I'm too strong to have depression. Yeah, you know? look at her. She's got her <laughs> own practice. She's a dentist. You know, I would, yeah. I would be like, no, I, I can handle this. Like, yeah. you know, this can't be happening to me. So, 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 so my question is, once you were able to articulate, talk to Ozma, it sounds like, and um, really come to the conclusion that maybe I do have this. Mm-hmm. What are some of the steps that you took to kind of help? Um, combat or manage because sometimes you can't combat it right Mm -hmm. you have to manage Mm -hmm. the postpartum depression from that point forward um well for me I think it was hard to kind of prove my case because again in our culture it's not really a real thing a lot of the time can you kind of explore that a little bit more the cultural stigma yeah depression specifically postpartum I think a lot of people especially being Muslim a lot of people say just pray and you'll get better yeah. or have faith or, or just leave it to Allah, pray to Allah and you'll get better. Um, change your mindset. Oh, the worst trigger for me was when people would be like, count your blessings. Yeah. Count your blessings and you'll feel yeah, better. Yeah. Look, you have a beautiful baby. How can you not look at her and be happy? You know, she's and really a beautiful little girl. It makes it worse because you're like, I'm looking and I recognize I have a beautiful baby, but it's not making me feel better. You know, it's not clicking. It's not clicking with you. Right. Exactly. And of course, if it were that easy, wouldn't we all do it in a heartbeat? Wouldn't we just count our blessings and we're all better, you know? Mm -hmm. So clearly that's not enough. So for people to say that is the most frustrating thing because then you feel like you're not understood. You're not being heard. um, Your feelings are being minimized. 
you feel kind of a sense of desperation, like, and again, isolation and loneliness, because you're like, nobody understands what I'm feeling. You know, they think they, I can just switch it, which I can't. I feel like having babies affect your relationship regardless, right? If we're honest with each other, like, I hate my husband. No, I hated him. <laughs> I hated him. And you know what? I was jealous of him. Until until I'm ready to have yeah. another baby, then I start liking <laughs> him again and then get pregnant, right? Like, so how did this actually manifest? Like, yeah, I, I was going to say you hated him, I hated right? him because I resented that I had to do all the work for him, all the work yes. for the baby because I was the one breastfeeding and up at night and all that kind of stuff. And he would be laying there snoring next to me and had, I felt, you know, like this is so unfair. I, I can't sleep all night and you're blissfully sleeping <laughs> away. I have no idea all the times I'm getting up and changing diapers and nursing and if it's hurting or, you know, all the stuff, he's just completely unaware. So I, was, I hated him because of that. Then I hated him that he got to get up and go to work because I actually do enjoy working yeah. and I do, you know, I mean, I like what I do. That was always an outlet for me. And so I couldn't do that. That was another thing. So I was like, this is so unfair. You get to go about your life as if we didn't have a baby. Like nothing has really changed for you. And my whole world has been turned upside down. You know, and all the things that I thought were part of defining me, I can't do anymore. That loss you know? of identity. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. a big deal. Mm-hmm. Big, big deal. So and I felt like I think that that's only a big deal me. for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 I, and I feel like, honestly, for especially first time mothers, at least for me, one of the biggest thing was that um, the loss of identity, yeah. right? Because you were always your own mm-hmm. individual person. And then all of a sudden, this baby, this being relies on you for pretty much everything, mm-hmm. um, to add the hormones and the lack of sleep. And uh, it, that's just, I feel like, a recipe for disaster. A potion mm-hmm. for, yeah, exactly. Like it just has to happen that way. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that you're being so open and honest about it. So do you, did you end up going and seeking therapy? Did you reach out to your doctor? Did you end up going on medication? Mm-hmm. Cause I know sometimes that is, um, kind of the last resort for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Uzba can maybe talk about what medications are safe, um, for, for breastfeeding moms during this time. Cause sometimes that's just what you need to do to kind of get over that hump. Yeah. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself to breastfeed. So I was when you know, the research that I did, I realized that I couldn't go on medication safely. I mean, I know that there's some medications that, I mean, but they haven't done any long-term studies on them. So I wasn't willing to take the risk. So I thought, okay, well that's out of the picture. So then, um, and then I got pregnant again. (laughs) So, Right. So it just started all over again and again. And so with the second pregnancy, I did tell my doctor because I was seeing her again and I told her this is what happened and I really struggled and I cannot have a one-year-old and a newborn and be dealing with those feelings. Like I, I will make it <laughs> like I won't be able to function. Or so, worse the kids, you know, I was worried yeah. about the babies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, she's, my daughter was still a baby too. So she was very supportive and she said, don't worry, we'll have a plan. We can do this, this, this. We'll, we'll talk about medications. You know, maybe you don't breastfeed the second baby if it's that bad. So, I mean, we talked about our options. Um, at that point, I was prepared, even though I'd put so much pressure on the first baby to only exclusively breastfeed. By the time I was pregnant with my son, I I knew that if it gets to that point, I have to give up the breastfeeding potentially so I can take the medication. So I was prepared for that, but I was still going to try breastfeeding because I didn't know if I would get the postpartum or have it again. 
Um, and so with my son, it was a little different because the onset was three months postpartum. Mm -hmm. So the first three months I'm like, yeah, I got this. And that's common because it's like seven to 15% of women will have it about three months postpartum. Yeah. And then when it hit with my son, it was worse than my daughter. And this time I did, I, I had suicidal thoughts in the sense that I wished I was dead. I didn't think about Mm -hmm. killing myself. I didn't like no plan plan it out. Mm -hmm. I didn't fantasize about it or anything like that, but I, I would have feelings of, I wish like Allah would just have it written for me and my destiny that I die tomorrow or like, you know, I'd be driving down the road and then I would just, someone would swerve or nearly hit me. And instead of thinking, Oh my God, I I escaped that. I would think, I wish they just hit me. I wish, I I wish this is, this is the way I died, you know, so that it could just be over. And that scared me too. When I realized, Mm -hmm. wait, I'm not having a normal reaction. Mm -hmm. And then I went home and this is about my son was, I think about six months at this point. And I told my husband, this is really scary. Like, this is how I was thinking. And I've never thought like that before. And it kind of scared me that, you know, this isn't normal. And he, that's when he said, okay, that's enough. You're not healing. You need to go see somebody. Mm-hmm. And then I reached out to you and you told me about your therapist. Yeah. So then I started seeing her for a few months after that, which really helped. And you stopped breastfeeding at that point. No, I still breastfeed for a year. <laughs> Um, him for a year. I'll let that kind of segue into the drugs. A lot of people are super scared of the drugs. My husband was in that camp as well. Cause I went to the doctor and I said, I'm, you know, um, I, I need this. the drugs. Yeah. No, I wanted it. <laughs> I wanted that. I was the opposite. I was like, anything but drugs. Tell me I was any like, other give way. me drugs, <laughs> you know? And I was still going to breastfeed and all of that good stuff. But, um, Omer was like, that is going into my child. And I have a say in that, even though I'm producing the breast milk and I'm the one suffering the symptoms yeah. and I'm the one doing the majority of the work. Thankfully, he said that. Huh? You need somebody like that. To like him? Like... No, I should have oh. taken the medication. <laughs> oh, he's I telling you not. Said... I thought he said, no, no, no he said to. do not. Okay. Cause that was my husband. Yeah. And so hard line, my opinion is no uterus, no opinion. True. You no boobs, no opinion. You don't get to choose what happens to my body. And, you know, in Islam, the agreement has to be between both parents about the breastfeeding for the child. So at that Mm -hmm. point, if he had really dug in and said, if you take it, you won't breastfeed my kid. Mm -hmm. At the time I would have punched him in the face, but now I realized. It was the flip side for me because Mo was like, you need to do this. Just stop breastfeeding. It's not a big deal. If he takes the bottle, he will survive. Yes. Kids are fine. He was the voice of reason Yeah, because I was Omer. Yeah. Both of us were completely unreasonable, but typically SSRIs or serotonin, um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors are mostly safe in pregnancy and breastfeeding. There are some exceptions. We're learning now about some that probably can cause some problems in utero and some that can go into breast milk, but the ones that even go into breast milk, the levels are pretty negligible. So that's something you should discuss, not just with your physician. Most physicians are very old school trained and they believe in the pump and dump, like your breast milk's been contaminated. It's not good. So talk to um, a certified lactation consultant as well, because they are very well versed in the drugs that can and cannot cross the breast milk barrier. So I always say, do not let that be the hindrance that you're afraid of medication for your mental well-being. And certainly, you know, as Faria is saying, breastfeeding itself can be a um, um, a major stressor that we create because we create the story sometimes that, you know, I have to breastfeed my child or I'm a bad mom. That's not the story you should be. Breast milk should be your choice because 
this is what's natural and free and God created it. And it, it is really scientifically good for my baby. But if I'm mentally pressuring myself to a dark place where I want to die or I don't want to exist anymore because so I'm the only one baby. who could do this, yeah. then you shouldn't do it. You know, And that's for me as a huge proponent of breastfeeding, mm-hmm. you really shouldn't do it. Um, I think women who have, like Fadiha did, um, pre-existing uh history of depression because she was still, it was probably an adjustment disorder during her grievance process for her father. But regardless, she already had these symptoms before coming in. So she was already at risk for postpartum depression. We have a 2016 study um, that shows that fear of childbirth, tobacco use, being a teen pregnant uh, woman or being single. Financial issues. Yeah. Socioeconomic status, low socioeconomic status. Um, age greater than or equal to 40, a history of domestic violence, a history of anxiety and an unplanned pregnancy, as well as a history of gestational diabetes or pregnancy-induced diabetes are all putting us at risk for postpartum depression. So these are things that we should start screening for, like she did very intelligently in her second pregnancy. Hey, I already did this. Let's start talking about it and have a plan of action. Mm -hmm. I think that is excellent. Yeah. for all moms. And that helped me a lot. Even to hear the words of support and encouragement from my doctor was huge. It was like, okay, I'm not in this alone. And even if my husband and my mom and people don't get it, at least a pro- health professional gets it and it will be there for me. But know? it sounds like your husband gets a gold star. Eventually, got it. eventually he did. But I have to say in the beginning, because <laughs> depression is one of the, it's like migraines, right? You yeah. don't really know what the person's feeling or how they're suffering mm-hmm. because you can't physically see the pain. So it's the same thing with depression. Some For somebody who's never had it, to meet with somebody who does, you kind of don't on some level really believe it, I guess, because you just think, well, you think they think the way you, you do mm-hmm. and that you can turn that around. Why can't they, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think my my mom and my, my husband had that mindset in the beginning, like, oh, you can beat this, just change your mindset. But the more articles I sent them about it and the more research I did and shared with them, mm-hmm. then they kind of, it, eventually, yes, they, they got it and they definitely supported me a lot with my second child, yeah. which was right after my first. So. Yeah. And I think your support systems were in place earlier, which is really, really key. That's so. key. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that was, um, you know, first of all, for him, thank you so much for being open and honest um, and frank about our, about your experience with postpartum depression and um, Osma for giving us all the information about what are, are the different types of things that we should look for. But as a friend, as a sister, um, how can we support each other if you feel one of your fr- sisters are is going through this? Could, do you have any advice or input in what we, like if I had known you at the time, what should I or could I have done to help you through this process? I, well, now I, what I do personally is I reach out to first-time moms because chances are if it's a second or third baby, you should still reach out. But first-time moms a lot of the times they don't have anybody to vent to. They don't have anyone to confess their feelings of depression mm-hmm. to. So I think like Uzma was for me, that safe place to kind of just admit how I was feeling was huge. Even to admit it to myself, I was able to admit it to myself after speaking to her. So maybe just reaching out to people in your community that are first time moms and asking those questions and letting them know that it's okay if they admit that they're unhappy or you know, they don't feel blissful all the time. 
with this new child, you know? Um, and then also, I think we just need to talk about it more. You know, I'm talking about it so openly now and you, and you guys so kindly keep saying, you know, thank you for being so open, but it took me a long time to get to the, get to this place. I just started talking about it openly in the last like year or two, you know, mm. I mean, for the first the three years that I battled it, I didn't tell anybody. Mm. I didn't tell my in-laws. I didn't tell my siblings. I didn't tell anybody. I, I mean, my mom and found out because she lived with me, but I might not have told her even, you know? So, um, just, you know, talking about it openly and, and not discounting any negative feeling that a mother, a new mom might express because that will immediately shut them down. Yeah. No matter what you hear, if she says like, I don't really like my kid. Cause I said that, um, <laughs> my kid was like three months old. I was like, I don't even like him. I'm only here. Cause I'm afraid of going to hell. And this one girl pulled me aside and she was like, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> See, but that would make you climb up and be like, I oh, did. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just, I'll just internalize. There's something that. wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, right. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming. Thanks girl. for having this awesome. me. This is fun. I love this. And, you know, hopefully we'll have a part two to this because there's so much science behind it and so much, as um, Fadia was saying, cultural stigma about it. Plus, you know, personally, we're so close to it that we want to talk to you even more. We want to hear about it from you guys. So please do reach out, post, and tell us what you think about today's episode. We'll see you all next week. Assalamualaikum. Inshallah. Assalamualaikum. Thanks again for joining Zeban Uzman Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.